make recordings and do other fun stuff. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Once again, as we continue on on our journey through the Bible, we're going through the Bible pretty much one chapter at a time. And we've been in this eight and a half some years now. We, uh, we did the complete New Testament together, and now we're working on the Old Testament. We've done Genesis and Exodus, but now we're in Leviticus. And today, um, I'm going to lump some chapters together just because of, uh, it's, I think it's a good thing to do. And if you remember when I started our study on Leviticus, I actually looked at it and was thinking, I should probably just take like one week and just walk right through Leviticus and be done because it's, it's the Levitical priesthood stuff. And we have Jesus, and he supersedes all of that. And, um, and yet, Leviticus is quoted a hundred times or so in the New Testament, and a lot of powerful stuff. So we've really kind of worked our way up till now, looking at a chapter at a time. This week, we're going to go from chapters 11 through 16, and I'll actually end up reading to you chapter 16. We're going to talk about the atonement. The reason for that is that these other chapters are just filled with... Um, laws that were on the people for different reasons. Um, and certainly we can, we can still learn from them, but, but we, have a, we have a much better deal in Christ. And there, the, I've told you from the beginning, when you read Leviticus, what it should do is make you so thankful for Jesus uh, and the way that we can relate to, to God now, the, that, that it, it should just stop you in your tracks. Because the, it, back when they set this thing up, this was, a, this was tough and um, constant um, offering of sacrifice and, and the, the reminder of people's sins and what they had to do and the, the things that were on them um, were huge. And so, you know, the, the advantage we have now as um, uh, believers is that we have the Holy Spirit in us and He, he lets us he guides us, you know, when we're, when we're listening and when we're obeying. He, he, it's on our hearts now because of the Holy Spirit. And so we move in by doing the next right thing, and, and the Spirit kind of really emphasizes what that is and how that looks. But it wasn't so as they were setting up this whole system back here in the book of Leviticus. And remember now, the, the people have, uh, um, as we've read, they've, they're just kind of setting up. They've just been... Um, set free from 430 years of captivity. Um, God has made himself known to them over and over and over again through Exodus. They're learning to trust him. He's gone through all sorts of things so they could do that. The, the priesthood has now been put into place, and, you know, we spent a lot of time in, in Exodus preparing the tabernacle and all of the things that the priest would wear and all of the furniture and stuff they would need to do their ministry and, uh, and now in Leviticus, they've been put into place. We just went through the whole ordination ceremony and the seven days of that. And we've, we've sort of revisited all the sacrifices again and what each one, each one meant and how often they had to be done to cover sin. And um, we've already seen judgment happen when, uh, when two of Aaron's sons tried to do it their way instead of God's way. And the fire sort of leapt out from the holy place and consumed them and pretty significant deal we were going through because you, you can't do it you, your way. You've got to do it God's way. Uh, and that was the whole thing, and it still is, that, that we still understand that, that it's God who's made a way for us to be in relationship with Him. And the way that He's made in, for us is in Christ and what Jesus has done. That's our way, That's the, and there's not a whole lot, you know, there's not a bunch of other ways. There's that way. 
Um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a, it's a revealed um, relationship that we have that God revealed to us through His Son, and that's how we have access and relationship. Um, culturally, people think, well, there ought to be a lot of ways, or I ought to be able to do whatever I want, or, you know, my way, or the culture is, you know, I'm just going to be a good person, and certainly that's good enough, that's all I need. But that's not how it works. And uh, there's a way revealed to us, and that's in Christ. I, I, I often think, see, that's our, how we tend to get a little arrogant sometimes when we go, well, there should be other ways. You know, we're fortunate that there is a way. You ever think about that? God didn't have to make a way for us back. We sinned. We already chose. Huh? That there's a way back is amazing. And we always need to be grateful for that, thankful for that, that there's a way, that He's made a way for us to be reconciled. Well, um, we're going to be looking at that today. So chapters 11 through 15, there, there, all these laws then are put into place about how people are supposed to live holy lives. He said now we're to live holy lives, but um, that's yielding to the Holy Spirit, learning to live by doing the next right thing. But back then, these things were very scripted in how were they, they were to live. And then the chapter we're going to dig into, 16, um, points to the fact that, that, uh, that it needs to be, that, um, the best that they're going to try to do these things are going to come short, and so there needs to be a way to be atoned for. And, and our atonement is in Christ. And we'll look at what that means. And I like that word atonement because even if you look at it, it's at one meant, right? That's how, what it means. It means we're reconciled to God. We're back at one. So that's atonement. So that's what's kind of happening in these um, chapters. And so let me talk about this first few, and then, then I'll read 16, and then we'll talk about that. So, so you don't feel like we're missing anything in the journey. So chapter 11 is... Um, it's, it's all about um, uh, laws that govern clean and unclean animals. And so there's a whole list of animals that they could eat and they couldn't eat and why. And um, it's because God cares for His creation. And most of these animals that were taken and put on the unclean list um, carried a variety of diseases and parasites. And there wasn't, uh, you know, enough medical stuff to... Um, take care of people in the process, and so some of these foods were just off-limits at that point in time, and so they were forbidden, and they were um, designated as unclean, and animals that were less likely to carry parasites or diseases were edible, and they were called clean animals. Um, but beyond the health implications of those laws, there's a, a spiritual purpose that God had in mind um, in that these, these dietary restrictions that were on the people of God at that time set them apart from all of the heathen nations around them. Um, and remember, the, the people that were around them were horrific in the way that they carried on with no concern for life of any type. And all sorts of hor horrific practices were part of their daily lives. And, um, you know, the, the, even their, their, their eating practices and everything. And, and so these, these laws set God's people apart as different um, and, and as, a, as a holy people. And so it made them distinctly different from the people around them, which needed to happen at this point in time in history because they, all the people around them would be living tremendously unholy lives. Um, and, and so God's people were called to live holy lives. And there was something about these dietary laws that kept them in that place. And throughout the Old Testament, you'll read this process of them being careful about 
what they ate and how they ate and, it set, and, what, and what they didn't eat, and it set them apart. The problem was that over time, they got more connected to what they ate than their connection to God. See, and like anything else, when you start falling into the laws and you start thinking that's what makes it work. And so they, they, they weren't relating to God. So when Jesus came on the scene, um, you're going to see that he disposes of these dietary laws because they're not fulfilling their purpose anymore. What's going to set us apart now is Christ. And so, so we don't need all these things. And so the, the dietary laws, when you read the, the New Testament, you can see that, that Jesus and the gospel writers move them away because the people of, uh, the Jewish people at that time wanted to put that on everybody else and they said it's no longer necessary. They're distinct now in Christ. And, um, and so you'll see a lot of that happens. Uh, in the early church, those laws were a tremendous controversy in the church, caused a lot of problems, and they had to deal with them about what was, what was edible and what wasn't. And um, if you remember, there were things like, you know, Peter's vision where animals came in a sheet. I've never eaten any of that. Don't call anything God has made unclean. Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, it, Jesus, it, he basically said Jesus has said it's all, it's all good. So um, uh, that's the process. Paul was like, you can, it's all good except if it's going to cause somebody to stumble, in which case you need to um, abstain just for around in that situation. So those things have changed. But the idea is there, and you get the idea, and so um, that's what's type, taking place in those dietary laws. Chapter 12 were laws that protected mother and child right after childbirth. And, and um, because a lot of that very natural bodily stuff was considered not clean. There was a lot of things in place, but, but God was going to protect everybody in the process. Chapters 13 are, are um, laws that protect people from leprosy and other infectious skin diseases, um, which they had obviously encountered in Egypt and were still sort of a big deal and they needed to be dealt with. In 14, it was how to restore people from all that mess when, when they started to get healthy again. Um, 15, um, was, was, a, was about protecting people from, from sexual diseases and impurities and how those had spread by the practice of uh, occult um, worship ceremonies that included temple prostitution and all sorts of other mess. And so all of that was in there. So that's all the fun stuff that we missed in chapters 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. There you go. Then we could have gone into chapter verse by verse, but I said no to myself. Because I get to some good stuff here in chapter 16. It's all good stuff. And in chapter 16, then, um, it, it points to the Day of Atonement that they had once a year and ultimately the atonement that we have in Christ once and for all. So let's read Leviticus 16, 1 through 34. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you read is good with me. This is what's in your notes. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die because I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. This is how Aaron is to enter the sanctuary area with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burn offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He's to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burn offering. 
Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. He's to slaughter the bull for his own sin offering. He's to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He's to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood and with his fingers sprinkle it on front of the atonement cover. Then he shall sprinkle some of it with his fingers seven times before the atonement cover. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people. Take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it in this way. He will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. Then he should come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns of the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. When Aaron is finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it into the desert. Then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments he put on before he entered the most holy place, and he's to leave them there. He shall bathe himself with water in a holy place and put on his regular garments. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offerings for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for himself and for the people. He shall also burn the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. The bull and the goat for the sin offerings, whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh, and offal are to be burned up. The man who burns them must wash his clothes, bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work whether native-born or an alien living among you, because on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord you will be clean from all your sins. It is a Sabbath day of rest, and you must deny yourselves it is a lasting ordinance. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priests and all the community, all the people of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. Blessed be the word of the Lord. There we go. All right, so pretty heavy chapter. A lot of stuff going on 
in there. But here's, here's the thing. The, the greatest need in all the world is for forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God. That's the most important thing happening, is to be reconciled with God. And, and that is so because of the judgment of God. Um, there is a day of judgment coming. It's the teaching of God throughout the Scripture. Um, and it's, it's God who warns that this is coming. A day of judgment is coming. There's a day of accounting, a day when every human being of every generation has to stand before God and face that judgment. And the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So at some point in time in the future, a day is coming when, when um, God's wrath against sin is, is going to come to a, a final point. And, and nothing and no person can prevent God from ultimately executing justice. It's going to happen. Justice will be executed by God. Um, the only reason it hasn't happened yet is because of the mercy of God. And so it's going to happen because of sin. Sin entered the world and messed up the entire deal. So people, angels, other living beings throughout the universe, whatever that might be, they're going to face the judgment of God. And that's what makes forgiveness and reconciliation with God so important. That's why whenever we talk about the mission of the church, I always say our mission is to go and to um, rescue people from darkness into light, to be a part of that process. Because th it's not like, oh, well, there's, a, there's another shot, there's a do-over, there's not. There's, there's one opportunity to escape judgment, that's relationship with Christ and understanding what He's done for us and how He's made it possible. That's it. That's the way. That's, that's what's going to happen. That's why we're, we're to be involved. That's the, the motivation we have, that, that once we've been rescued from, from darkness ourselves and have stepped into the light, we still have mission. The, the reason that, that once we figure that out, we're not zapped up into heaven immediately, which you understand, when you come to Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. Your longings are over there. Everything has changed about you at that moment. Everything is different. Your, 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 your relationship with God is different because now you're justified and God chooses to see you in the perfection of His Son. The Holy Spirit enters in you and He's leading you and guiding you as you yield to Him and you're being sanctified until the day when you're with Jesus, when you're glorified. Everything is changed at that moment you come to Christ because of what He's done. And, and your longings have changed. Everything about you is going to be different over time and, and you are much more... Um, uh, the reason that we have so much sort of unrest in, in our souls is that we're citizens of heaven. We long for it. We know that's where we're supposed to be. And we one day will be. But in the meantime, we're given a task. We have purpose. We have mission. And that's to let people know that a way has been made for them. Now, if you, if you come here, you know that, that what I want to do and what I think we're called to do is we're to... We're to allow the love of God, which is amazing because of what He's done, flow through us so that it impacts people's lives so that they make changes. I, I, I don't think that, that it's... Um, I, I don't think you can scare people into the kingdom. I think a lot of people do get scared into the kingdom, but I don't think they make great disciples um, and because they don't get the whole deal. Um, and it's... Um, we no longer need to fear 
the wrath of God because of Christ. And so our relationship with Him is completely different. But we need to know that, that people who don't find their way in have a whole different thing happening. And so, so what we need to do, and I keep talking, is we need to live lives in such a way that they're drawn into this relationship and, and that God is, is, you know, the, by His Spirit, He's wooing people into that relationship. I always go back to how, you know, the encounters I had. I didn't grow up as a believer. And so, uh, but I can think back and see where, where God's, God was drawing me as an unbeliever and how even then He related to me in a way um, that was... That was amazing, um, and, and I'm, I'm convinced that back then he, he, he knew who I could be in relationship with him, and he treated me that way even then, and, and that, that's how he wants us to treat people, because he loves folks. Uh, he loves people. He wants, he's made a way for everyone to be in relationship with him. That's what he wants, but, but sin has to be dealt with. It can't just be sloughed off. It, it has to be dealt with, and, and, and so he's made a way in Christ, but for us not to experience that whole process, but that's the way that it happens. So um, that's why it's so important to be reconciled to Him, because sin has separated us from God, and and um, this this sin sort of you know hangs over humanity's head, has to be dealt with in the process, and and so Jesus is the the perfect picture of this substitutionary sacrifice, hanging on the cross. What he, did, he, he bore our sins, so He took them on Himself, and He took them away. You, you see the two goats? He not only made the sacrifice, but because He took the sin, it takes our sin away. God chooses to see us in the perfection of His Son. He dies for our mess, and thereby removes it. Um, he allows the justice and the judgment of God to be executed upon Him, uh, and, and He suffers our punishment so that we don't have to. And he pays the, the penalty of death. Um, and, and, and so he bore the alienation and separation from God for us. But all those things were happening at the cross, right? Why have you forsaken me? See, all of this stuff is taking place once and for all for us in Christ. In the Old Testament, and, and still to practicing Jews, they have this Day of Atonement every year. And it's the one that you'll, you'll find that they, ne they don't miss. And, and the way God laid it out for them, they could always make sure they could count to that one. Everything else kind of hinges off that one. They would, if they missed one of the, oh, well, they, there's seven they had to get to every year. And if they didn't get to, oh, well, but not that one. The Day of Atonement, boom. Everything stops, 24 hours. They're there. Atonement still for them. But see, in Christ, it's been taken care of for us. Once and for all. And, and, and perfect. And, and, and now... I think about how much effort there was to get into the presence of God back then. The, the high, only the high priest, just the high priest. And, and, and there had to be a bull involved for his sins, right? So a big, big bull, all that, just for him and his family's sin. And then the goats for everybody else's. But before he could go in, he had to make sure the clothes were right. And there was only certain clothes that had to be worn. He had to bathe completely. He had to be completely clean, on with the right clothes, in just the right way. The, the, the fire from the right sort of spot had to go in. And they knew now not to mess around and grab easy fire. They get the fire where you got to get it from, right? Because they experienced that last week. And, and he had to go in in a certain way, and the, everything had to be followed a certain way. And he had just brief contact with the presence of God once a year for everybody. But in Christ, we have access to that presence 24-7. I mean, it's, 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 it's earth-shattering. It's life-changing. There's nothing like it. 
um, because of what Jesus did. He, he, he made the perfect once and for all sacrifice. And his atonement was demonstrated by the veil. Do you remember that? When, what happened when Jesus was on the cross? What happened to the veil in the temple? It was torn completely in two. And, 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 and what that did was signify that in Christ now we have access into the most holy place. So that's what's happening in that whole process. And uh, the, the idea behind all of those chapters that I, that I sort of quickly went over was these were all the laws that they were supposed to be following to be holy, which they couldn't do. They needed atonement just like we do in Christ. And that's the same thing that's going on. And that's enough for today. Thank you for watching my video. Come and visit when you can. Website has a prayer page. You can go there if you need prayer. We will pray for you. Thanks. Bye. Okay.